0: CHAPTER Nine OF THE HOUSE OF LOVE THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. READ BY LOIS K. THE HOUSE OF LOVE BY ELIZABETH CHENEY. THE TURQUOISE RING About a week before Christmas, Doris appeared half-breathless and much excited at Miss Graves' side door. "oh miss graves" she exclaimed "i haven't a minute for mrs wild sent me to the store and i'm saving time to speak to you by running down and back but you must come in even for that 59 seconds" replied miss graves drawing her into the house "what is it my dear" doris was fumbling in her coat pocket and produced a very small wad of brown paper which she thrust into miss graves hand saying You know, it's almost Christmas, and I want to give everybody at the house a present, but I haven't any money, and if I had, I can't go down to the stores, you know, and I wondered if you wouldn't know somebody who would buy my little ring. It's all the jewelry I have, and I think it must be worth perhaps five dollars." "'Miss Graves opened the little packet and examined the ring with great seriousness. "'It was made of gold and set with one small turquoise "'and probably cost, when it was new, a dollar and a half. "'Where did you get it, my dear?' she asked kindly. Two or three years ago,' answered Doris. "'My mother took me once on a boat for a long ride.' "'Somebody gave her tickets for us, and we spent the day on the shore where the waves kept coming up, "'and I dug a well in the sand for the waves to fill, and I found this ring in the sand. "'We did not know what to do with it, for there is a crowd of different people at that beach every day, "'and the ring must have been there a long time, for it was quite deeply buried. "'It was too large for me then, but—' "'A year ago my mother found I could wear it to always remember that one day we had together by the ocean. "'She said the blue stone would always remind me of the color of the sky and the sea that day.' "'So you must be very fond of it,' said Miss Graves, still looking down at the ring. "'I don't want to think about that part of it,' said Doris, the quick tears springing to her eager eyes.' It meant that day to me, you know, but nothing can change that, nor take it away from me. We had it together. But I can't bear not to have anything to give, dear Miss Graves. I don't like to bother you, but do you suppose you can sell it?' "'I can dispose of it, all right,' replied Miss Graves. "'I think for five dollars.' "'Perhaps we can manage somehow or other to have you go along down to Kent with me "'and see the Christmas things and do your own shopping.' "'How splendid!' cried Doris. "'I'll invite Grandma Lane for a sleigh ride. "'She doesn't get out very often. "'You tell Mrs. Wild I brought you in "'and sent word that I will call after Grandma tomorrow afternoon. "'We'll work you in, too, I hope, somehow.' Mrs. Wild was quite pleased with the invitation to Grandma, especially when she saw the almost childish delight that brightened the dim old eyes. Then, too, she was too busy herself to get off the next day and procure some articles at Kent that she very much needed. Grandma seldom had a bit of cash in her shabby purse, and Abigail, with a sudden premonition that touched her heart in an unsuspected tender spot, when she gave her a short written list and the necessary money to pay for the things, added a dollar, saying, You may want to buy something for yourself, Mar. You haven't been to town for an age. Abigail did not know then that she had planted the seed of the sweet white flower of a comforting memory that would bloom when the wrinkled old hands were folded away and the quavering voice was heard no more. Oh, the gardens of the future, that we are all sowing every day, and it will not make the thorns less sharp when we think that, but for our blind selfishness, they might have been lilies. Grandma was almost too happy to sleep that night. She had a dollar of her own to spend for Christmas. Doris had confided to her during their usual bedtime talk, that Miss Graves was going to try to take her along. She'll do it somehow, said Grandma. She's a dabster. And she did do it. For the afternoon of the day she had taken the turquoise ring into her charge, she drove to the ridge, and from there to Kent, and the result of her work seemed to please her. For after her return in the twilight, while the wood crackled merrily beneath the shining tea-kettle as a prelude to the song of the boiling water, she stepped from pantry to table and table to pantry to the tune of the obligato of an old Christmas anthem that she had sung in the choir when her cheeks were as pink as those of her supplanter. That evening, When Kelsey called for the weekly paper, she had a note ready for Mrs. Wilde, in which she stated that she had been in Kent that day, and that Aurelia's teacher had seen her and asked her to kindly inform Mrs. Wilde that it would not be convenient for her to get to the farm the next day. But would Mrs. Wilde send Aurelia down to Kent for the lessons and let her stay to supper after them? And also remain overnight to go to a stereopticon show in the town hall. Doris would have to come in to get certain explanations about the arithmetic questions, but, of course, that would not keep her long. Miss Turner had been hoping to give Aurelia a little treat, and this seemed to be just the right time for it. Miss Turner would send Aurelia home the next morning. Mrs. Wild read the note aloud. Well, I must say, she remarked at the end of it, everything seems to fit in this time for once. Miss Graves wanting to go down and take Mar when I need things, and Aurelia having a fine time without Doris tagging along. Doris, you understand that you ain't invited to stay to the Turner's, not even to take your hat off. You have just to hear what Miss Turner has to say to you, and go right about your business. I would scarcely think it worth while for you to go, only that Mar will have a lot of parcels, and it won't do to leave em in the sleigh between going from one store to another You'll have a splendid time, Aurelia. Doris, far from being consumed by the jealousy which Mrs. Wild had hoped to awaken in her breast, hugged herself behind the pantry door, and only by a powerful effort at self-control prevented herself from springing out and hugging Grandma Lane when she passed by her. Grandma was smiling over the doughnuts she was mixing, She saw the hand of Miss Graves in the way things had fit in, and when Abigail had disappeared to make sure that Aurelia's Sunday dress was in perfect order, she said to Doris, Didn't I tell you? Annette Graves is a dabster. What's that, Grandma? An angel without feathers? Laws no, child. It's a person there ain't no getting ahead of. Ever since Doris had practically sold her ring, she had been preparing a list on a discarded brown paper bag of the things she would buy for the family and Miss Graves. It troubled her much that she could not consult someone, as she was quite uncertain as to prices. Poor little girl, she had never had even a quarter of a dollar all at once, and the five dollars, seemed like a fathomless mine of riches. At present, her list read thus, What I would like to buy. Number one, for Grandma, one set of mink furs and a rocking chair with stuffing. Number two, for Kelsey, Shakespeare's complete works bound in leather. Number three, for Mr. Wilde, felt slippers. Number four for Mrs. Wild, silver-handled umbrella. Number five for Aurelia, a gold ring. Number six for the hired men. We'll decide later. Number seven for Miss Graves, shopping bag, like Miss Courtney's, with things inside. Perhaps, if there were anything left of the five dollars, She could buy Grandma a hot water bag to use instead of the stone vinegar jug she took to bed with her every night. Doris poured over this list in her mind hour after hour, sometimes wavering between the silk umbrella and a gold brooch, sometimes changing Mr. Wilde's slippers for a fur cap or the leather-bound Shakespeare for an overcoat. In her nature there was no bitterness, and the spirit of the Christmas tide filled her with a desire to make everybody happy. When the party started off the next afternoon, Doris sat on the front seat with Miss Graves, for Aurelia shared the back seat with Grandma. The jingling bells kept the conversation from becoming general, and after a little, "'Doris timidly produced her precious shopping list "'and held it out to Miss Graves, saying, "'Please, will you take a peep at this? "'Only not at the end where it's turned under. "'You know, cause that's a surprise. "'Oh, I'm so happy!' "'Miss Graves took the two reins in her right hand "'and the piece of brown paper in her left "'and glanced down the list.' She handed it back rather abruptly to Doris. The road was narrow just here, and a loaded team was approaching, and Miss Graves had to turn out, which gave her a seemingly necessary opportunity to draw her handkerchief out from the cuff of her sleeve and polish her glasses. She started to speak once or twice to Doris, but only succeeded in ejaculating that bit of New England vernacular, "'Get up!' as she turned her horse back into the beaten track. At last, she swallowed forcibly and said in a low tone, not audible at the rear, You dear child, I hate to tell you, but the things you've written on that paper would cost many times five dollars. You'll have to make it all over, Doris. A shadow fell across the eager face beside her. "'Now, don't you go to feeling bad and upset, little girl,' went on Miss Graves. "'It's heart that really counts, and the love and goodwill in yours doesn't go for nothing. "'It makes the whole world brighter, even if you don't know it. "'When we've left Aurelia with Miss Turner, you and I'll have a chance to go over that list together.' It took time and strategy to secure this opportunity. Aurelia had no mind to be deposited at Miss Turner's door until she had driven up and down the whole length of Main Street and had selected the most dazzling shop in which to spend the three dollars she had accumulated in her China pig bank during the year. Grandma Lane wanted to see if the cottage where she first went to housekeeping was still standing on Willow Street. The very few times she had ever been brought to Kent with Gail, the latter never had a minute to spare for gallivanting, and Miss Graves was determined that Grandma should gallivant to her heart's content. They found a steam laundry on the site of the small white house of Grandma's fondest memory. The old lady sank back in the sleigh with a little sigh. "'Is there any other place you want to go, Grandma?' asked Miss Graves. "'Yes, Annette. If it ain't too much trouble, I'd like to look up the widder lines. She that was a Jenkins, she's living with her son and his family. Been bedridden for several years. We were great friends.' But we ain't met since Gail was married. I wonder if it's George Lines' mother that you mean, queried Miss Graves kindly. Everybody knows him around here, the tax collector. And yet he's managed to keep popular. Yes, that's Levina Lines' oldest boy. I've heard they built a new house. "'I know the place all right,' said Miss Graves, turning the sleigh into a side street and stopping at a horse block with lines in raised letter. "'Doris, you just hold the horse while I help Grandma out and up to the front door. Grandma, we'll be back for you in an hour, for you know the afternoons are short now.' "'Now I want to buy my things,' said Aurelia. My mother said I could do just as I pleased with my money. Did you make out a list? said Miss Graves. What for? asked Aurelia with wide eyes. Oh, nothing, replied Miss Graves. Only that it's Christmas time, and I suppose you wanted to buy presents for your father and mother and grandma. Well, I guess not, said Aurelia, tossing her golden head they can get their own things. I'm going to get me a gold ring with a blue stone like Doris has, only nicer and prettier, and a sash, and a pound of mixed candy. And I'm going to buy you a present, Aurelia, said Miss Graves. How nice, said the girl, dimpling and smiling. What is it? I'm going to get you a new piggy bank to take the place of the one you broke today, replied Miss Graves somewhat grimly. But Aurelia's mental density stood her in hand, and she said she would be glad of the pig. Miss Graves hitched her horse in front of the shop of Aurelia's choice, and the purchases were soon made. Then they all drove around to the turners, and Doris went in for a few moments for directions. Miss Turner sent Aurelia up into the front bedroom to take off her things, and when she was safely out of sight, caught Doris in her arms and kissed her heartily, saying, You're a darling girl, and I want you to know that I love you dearly. You have a very good mind, and you won't have to live always with the Wilds. Just keep up your courage, dear." Then she picked up a small parcel and said, I'll go out to the sleigh with you, for I want to speak to Miss Graves. So she threw a light shawl over her head and took Doris by the hand, and they ran down the steps and the path to the front gate. I'm so glad that Doris could come to Kent, Miss Graves. Well, if it hadn't been for you helping out by inviting Aurelia, the child couldn't have gotten away. "'I have a box of candy here for Doris,' said Miss Turner. "'Do you suppose she will be allowed to keep it?' "'I'll look out for that,' replied Miss Graves. "'You mustn't stand out here in the cold. "'Run in and see me when you're up to the corners "'and thank you kindly.' "'Louise Turner bent and kissed Doris goodbye, "'putting the parcel into her hand "'and hurried back into the house. "'Aurelia!' "'was looking out of the front bedroom window. "'Now,' said Miss Graves, "'we'll drive into one of the sheds back of the hotel "'before we go for Grandma "'and look over that list of yours.' "'Miss Graves smoothed out the piece of paper "'on the cover of an account book "'that she held on her knee. "'Doris was highly excited. "'Don't forget! "'Please not to look at that little turned-under part, "'Miss Graves.' "'Doris, will you promise me not to spend any of your money for me?' "'Oh, please don't say that,' pleaded Doris. "'It would break my heart not to give you anything.' And she thought of the bag she had seen Miss Courtney carry with things inside. "'Doris, I think more of your love than anything you could buy for me in the shops, even if you had a thousand dollars to spend.' Don't you know that real love is the most precious thing in the world? But you can't do it up in a package and put it into anybody's hand, Miss Graves. No, little girl, but if I should tell you that my hands are pretty well filled with all that I really need to use, but that my heart had a very lonely spot in it that your love and gratitude have made less lonely... Perhaps you can understand that you can give me no more beautiful gift. Do you see? Doris nodded somewhat dubiously. In the blaze of Christmas shops, the flesh and the spirit seemed to wave for a season their age-long enmity. Now, dear, is there anything you can think of that Grandma would enjoy rather than the furs and the chairs? "'I thought of a rubber-hot-water bottle,' said Doris regretfully. "'The very thing,' replied Miss Graves. "'You see, she goes out very seldom, but she does go to bed every night. "'And think how soft and warm the bottle will be to her cold-tired feet. "'You can get one for one dollar and a half, "'and have three dollars and a half left for the other presents.' "'There are books of poems for fifty cents gotten up for Christmas, "'and we can find one of them that Kelsey will enjoy. "'And a nice handkerchief each for the Wilds is plenty good enough. "'And for the hired men, two boxes of writing paper at twenty cents. "'Those people are always writing letters to the old country. "'I've allowed fifty cents for Mrs. Wilds' handkerchief, "'so it will be quite fine and nice for her to carry to church.' she knows good things. I just love to give Miss Turner a pretty handkerchief, said Doris. Miss Graves had been expecting this, and answered, well, you see, you can do it very nicely, for you have nearly two dollars left. We'll get a pretty one, like Mrs. Wild's. And that leaves me over a dollar, doesn't it? Yes, Doris, "'Miss Graves, I've never in my life spent more than a penny for candy at a time, and I'd like to feel how it seems to buy as much as a quarter's worth all at once. Grandma just loves cream peppermints, and I'm sure that the man who brought me up on the stage must like him, too. He is a very kind man. You can hand them to him, can't you, Miss Graves?' "'Certainly, my dear.' "'And now, please, please, don't ask any questions, "'but let me have a little secret with that last dollar. "'We won't say what's going to be done with it.' "'Miss Graves saw that she was quite helpless. "'Doris,' she said, "'I won't object to you spending it as you like "'if you will tell me one thing. "'What is that, Miss Graves?' "'Isn't there something that you need very, very much "'that you really ought to have?' "'I suppose,' said Doris reluctantly, "'that I ought to get a new toothbrush. "'Mine is pretty much worn out.' "'Then, dearie,' replied Miss Graves, "'I'll promise not to say a word about the change "'if you will consent to letting me help you to select a good brush.' "'Now, Miss Graves, if you like,' "'You may read what's turned under on that paper. "'I wanted to get it, oh, so dreadfully.' "'You, generous child,' answered Miss Graves, "'smiling into the upturned eyes with a sudden mist in her own. "'It may comfort you to know that that bag of Miss Courtney's "'cost at least fifty dollars. "'Now let us go after Grandma.' They found Grandma radiant from a long, satisfying talk with her old friend. It would not have been difficult for Gail to arrange for such occasionally. She had never realized her mother's need of a bit of social life. Grandma was well set up, refreshed not only by news, but by a cup of delicious afternoon tea and she entered into the expenditure of her dollar with a zest and mystery that was pathetic to Miss Graves. When it takes so little to make people happy, she said to herself, why should anybody be left out in the cold? At least she had the satisfaction of filling two cups with the wine of joy that day, "'Doris went from counter to counter "'with bright, eager eyes and flushed cheeks. "'And when the bag and the book and the handkerchiefs "'and the candy had all been selected "'and tied up in neat little packages, "'and Miss Graves had vigorously insisted "'on a good thirty-cent toothbrush "'and a cake of white, violet-scented soap, "'Doris declared, "'Now you will walk to the other end of the store, won't you?' and you will keep your back turned this way and you truly truly won't forget and look over your shoulder nor guess a single tiny bit will you so miss graves solemnly promised and walked away sorry but smiling and doris made her first unassisted purchase When one considers that Miss Graves from her earliest infancy had been a regular attendant at the church of her Puritan ancestors, had never indulged in worldly amusements, or ever been known to keep company, it might be called slightly incongruous that Doris should have chosen a lithograph of the repentant Magdalene as her first Christmas gift to her kind friend Years after, they laughed over the selection together. But to the day of her death, the picture in its gilt frame never left its place on that straight-laced spinster's bedroom wall. After all the shopping was done and the things needed by Mrs. Wilde bought, Miss Graves invited Grandma and Doris into the store for hot chocolate. At the door, they came face to face with Silas Webb and his wife, When Doris was presented to Mrs. Webb, a puzzled look came into the kindly face of that stout matron. "'I can't have seen you before, child, and yet your countenance is familiar. It will worry me until I can place it. Perhaps it's because Silas has talked so much about you that I feel as if I knew you.' "'Mr. Webb was very good to me,' said Doris. "'How's she gettin' along?' questioned Silas in an aside to Miss Graves. "'She doesn't complain,' said Miss Graves. "'She isn't that sort. "'But I have my eye on her, and I mean to keep it there, too.'" Before the trio entered the sleigh for the homeward climb, the stores were lighted for the evening trade, and this gave a festive air to their departure. Not until the furthest outlying lamppost was passed did either Grandma or Doris cease looking backward. Annette, said Grandma, this has done me a wonderful sight of good. I'd rather have it than all the anchors and harps and wreaths of purple everlasting's that you could pile on my grave. When I'm gone, you just remember what a happy day you gave me. When they drew up at the Wilds' gate, Kelsey and Mrs. Wild both came out to help bring in the supplies Mrs. Wild had instructed Grandma to buy. Doris had time to hand Miss Graves the picture she had bought for her. The box of candy from Miss Turner had been wrapped up with the child's purchases for the family. Because, argued the postmistress, if you say the bundle is Christmas presents for the family, of course it won't be opened. Miss Graves drove away with a song in her heart, and the others entered the house. Doris was proceeding toward the stairs when Mrs. Wilde, setting down an armful of parcels on the table, suddenly turned on her. "'What's that you have there?' she demanded. "'Some things I bought,' replied Doris, hugging her treasured package, the joy of the day still in her eyes. "'Christmas things, you know.' You? Bought things? ejaculated her mistress. You? She snatched the bundle from the child's arms. Thaddeus had just come in, but Kelsey was stabling the horse. Abigail began to untie the string that held the outside wrapping. Where did you get any money to spend? I'd like to know, she continued, beginning on the inner wrapper with ruthless fingers. Another instant, "'and all the separate parcels would be lying on the table.' Doris stretched out a pleading hand. "'Oh, Mrs. Wild,' she said, "'please, please don't open the things. "'It will spoil my Christmas. "'I told you before you had nothing to do with Christmas, "'except what they've got you up into up at the ridge, "'which I don't take no stock in at all. "'Of course I shall open these parcels.' and she proceeded to take up the pasteboard box containing the hot-water bag grandma was standing near trying to speak but overwhelmed as usual by the tremendous force of her daughter oh mrs lane cried doris please do go in the sitting-room or anywhere only don't look now see here "'Spoke of Thaddeus striding forward and with one swoop of his long arm "'gathering up the whole pile and handing it to Doris. "'Take these and go up to your room.' "'Wait!' said Abigail fiercely, taking her by the arm. "'You may first tell me how you got any money to spend. "'I think I had better count over the change in my box.' "'Doris turned very pale.' "'I am no thief, Mrs. Wild,' she said in a low tone. "'The money was mine. I sold my ring.' Abigail winced a trifle, but made no apology. "'Well, go along and take off your hat and coat and hurry down again. "'I don't know what call you have getting stirred up about Christmas.' Aurelia's going to have a piano, but aside from that and the things for her stocking, there's nothing doing. I've told you several times, and I mean it, that you're here to do things and not to get things. Now hurry! Doris was so relieved that her gifts were not exposed to the family eye before the right time that she did not take Mrs. Wilde's tirade very much to heart. To be sure, it took the fine edge off from the rapture of the day, but as she put away the parcels, she said to herself, I know there is a Christmas for me in the house of love, and I shall hang up my stocking. Mrs. Wild can't keep the things that are really for me from getting into it. At least I will save Miss Turner's box of candy and put in it. During the next afternoon, Aurelia arrived in high feather. She followed Doris from kitchen to pantry and even into the cellar, descanting on the joys of her visit, often interpolating. Don't you wish you had had that? Or wouldn't you have been delighted if you could have seen it too? But finally, when they were in earshot of Mrs. Wild, Aurelia questioned maliciously. I saw Miss Turner kiss you goodbye, and she gave you a box that looked like bonbons, was it? I haven't opened the box, replied Doris. What's this about? said Mrs. Wild as she whirled the egg beater. Doris, you go up and bring that down here at once. No wonder you act so scared and sneaking last night. You were hiding things to gourmandize on up in your room, you sly little cat. Doris came back with the precious box. It was the very first she had ever owned, and she had so far resisted even one peep under the lid. Mrs. Wilde took it from her hand. Did Miss Turner give you a box too, Aurelia? No, answered Aurelia. "'She said she would like to give me some candy, "'but she was afraid you wouldn't like it, "'seeing you're so particular about what I eat. "'But I want some awfully. "'Oh, oh, let's see!' "'as her mother tore off the white wrapper "'that had been tied with a red ribbon "'with a little sprig of holly on top. "'Gail,' interposed Grandma tremulously, "'do you think you had oughter open that box?' It was given to Doris. Mar, replied Abigail sharply, this child is beholden to me for the clothes on her back and the food in her mouth, and I have a perfect right to do as I think best with anything that concerns her. So just keep out of this. Oh, give me one, give me one cried Aurelia, dancing up and down as the delicious-looking top layer showed between the edges of lace paper. Give me that big pink one with the nut on it. Mrs. Wilde handed the box toward her, and she selected the coveted sweet and said, What's underneath, Ma, in the next layer? All chocolates, answered Mrs. Wilde, lifting the wax paper. Doris, since you smuggled this candy into the house you can have none of it not one piece i shall lock it in the sideboard with aurelia's other things it seemed to doris that she had never wanted anything so much as one of those candies aurelia flourished the pink one of her choice and took small nibbles to make it last and even held it under the rightful owner's nose with that taunting, closed-lipped little sound that children use, which can never be transferred to print. Doris felt a strong impulse to lift the dripping brush from her pail, and with a sudden thrust to send that rosy morsel flying afar from her tormentor's fingers. But instead, she rose to her feet, looking suddenly taller and older than before, and her eyes blazed, not with retaliation, but with a great sense of the injustice of it all. She did not raise her voice, but the low, even tone of it went straight to the mark. Mrs. Wild," she said, that candy was given to me. I had a right to bring it here and take it up to my room. I expected to pass it all around, and you saw that I had not opened it. You do wrong to take it from me. Please give it back to me at once. Strange to relate, Mrs. Wilde went as one dazed to the sideboard and brought back the box and silently handed it to Doris. Aurelia also was large-eyed and dumb. Doris took off the cover passed the box to Grandma and the others, helped herself with great deliberation, and set the box on the table, saying, It can be passed around after dinner, and I will be glad, Mrs. Wilde, to have Aurelia eat as many as you think best to give her. Silence still prevailed in the room. Aurelia retired to play with her dolls, and Mrs. Wild went into the storeroom and sat down on a sugar barrel, passing her hand over her forehead as if something had hit her. She wasn't common mad, nor common sassy. she mused, "What on earth was it? Doris whispered, "Grandma, how'd you ever dast? I don't know." Replied Doris, helping herself to another bonbon. But I felt the rightness, grandma dear. End of chapter nine.